What's up, guys? Good morning. How y'all feeling this morning? Tired? School's almost back. Yeah. Yeah. It'll go perfectly with what I'm teaching on today, because I'm teaching on suffering. And school oftentimes is suffering. I know. Um, Well, while you guys are still filling out cards, uh, I'm going to ask you to multitask and pray and write at the same time. You guys are good at multitasking, right? So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for the gift of your word and the truth that you have given us in it. Lord, thank you that, that your word is a sure foundation or that we can trust in you through it. Father, I just pray that this morning that our hearts would be soft to your word implanted. Lord, that you would uh, speak to us exactly what you need us to hear. Lord, that the words that come out of my mouth would not be my own, but that they'd be yours. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would move in our hearts, that you would draw us near to yourself, that you help us to love you more than we've ever loved you before here today. Guys, why don't you just take a moment and ask the Lord to speak to you personally this morning. And then if you would, pray for me. Pray that the Lord would speak through me, that he would give me words to say. Lord, we ask you to move in power, to teach us, to draw us near to yourself here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you guys can continue filling out or whatever. But I just got back from nine days in Colorado. So we were on a student backpacking trip for nine days. We weren't actually backpacking for nine days. The first half of our trip was spent out in the wilderness. So you can see, I think we have a, a team shot there. That is our team that we took up to, the, uh, to Pagosa Springs, Colorado. So we spent four days out on this trail just hiking through some incredible terrain uh, across the mountains. We all had these giant packs on, and uh, I mean, like, that, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Every time I, like, see Colorado, I'm asking myself, what, what's the purpose of Houston again? Like, <laughs> mountains, that's where life is. I don't know. So we spent four days out there, and it was incredible. Um, I tell you what, if you want to get to know somebody, go on a backpacking trip with them. There's many reasons for this. Uh, The first being there is absolutely no cell phone service up in the mountains. And so we would have to um, do this really old-fashioned thing that I I don't know if you guys are familiar with. It's called uh, conversing with someone. It's called talking. Uh, It's it's an old thing. It's, It's not in vogue anymore. But because we didn't have cell phones, we were forced to stop looking at a screen and look at each other and ask questions. It's a great way to get to know each other. Secondly, when you're in the wilderness, you poop in the wilderness. There are no bathrooms. And if you want to get to know somebody real quick, talk about poop. It just kind of happens in the wilderness. All my Colorado people can attest to this. There was, there may have even been like a a point system, a scoring system for how many poops you got. Um, I, I can neither confirm nor deny this, but Bradley won. (laughs) Um, 
So if you want to get to know somebody, go to the wilderness. You use the bathroom out there, and you will talk about it. It's just a matter of fact. Uh, thirdly, when you're out backpacking, you really um, suffer. Like you, you're, you don't have all the comforts of home. You don't have all the, the things that make life easy. Life is harder out there because you have this heavy pack on. You're climbing up mountains. You're getting rained on. It's cold. It's wet. And when you suffer, you really get to see what's going on inside of somebody. What's, what's deep down inside, you really get to see that. Um, and it, it's just a, a, uh, a test of who you really are. When you go through the hard times, you really get to see what's going on deep inside of you. And so, I mean, how many of you guys have ever gone through suffering in your life? Anyone ever had any pain, any hardship? And the rest of you guys just, I don't know. I, I don't think you're being honest. Life is hard, right? Life is hard. I think we've all gone through some sort of pain, some sort of suffering. If you don't feel like you have, um, take encouragement. You will. Life is hard. It's going to get harder. And so because of that, we have to figure out now, while we're still young, what the Bible says about how we should suffer, how we should view suffering, how we should go about it. Um, that's, that's a part of, a big part of what God has given us in his word is a, a ton of truth about how to suffer well. Uh, and so the first day that we were hiking um, was pretty easy. Not a lot of pain, not a lot of hardship. It was a beautiful day. We were, it had sun, and you can see the picture. There's, we just crossed this like wonderful river, and we were having lunch, and everyone was real cheery. It was a, a wonderful first day of hiking. Fast forward to the second day. The second day was like the polar opposite. So we, we hiked for maybe an hour or two in the sunlight, and then the clouds started moving in. And the cold came, and the rain came, and it made everything muddy and slippery, and it was a mess. So the weather was, was hard. On top of that, it was our hardest day of climbing. And so we climbed over 2,000 feet of elevation that day, which like the Empire State Building is 1,500 feet. So imagine having a 40-pound pack on, climbing up the Empire State Building, um, in the rain, in the cold, in the wet. It was a hard day of hiking. We hiked for about eight hours that day. Um, it, was, it was tough. And so we get to the camp that night. We get ready to, to um, like enter in, and we're all excited because you know we're, we're done hiking for the day. We can finally rest. And what happens? The rain starts pouring even heavier. It, it was the hardest it had rained all day was right when we got to the campsite. And so we're hurrying to try and get tents set up so we can get warm, and everything is getting soaked. Our clothes, our spare clothes, our spare socks, our sleeping bags, our sleeping pads, the inside of our tents, everything's wet, and now it's cold and wet, and it is miserable. And so we, we actually had to spend like two hours that night trying to dry stuff out. And I have a, a picture here. You can see boots on the side, people are holding socks, an unnamed individual in the middle is covering her eyes because of the smoke just blasting her. She's still trying to dry her socks but not get smoke in her eyes, so 
it was genius. She protected her eyes. Um, I have a little like stick there that I have my socks draped over that I'm, I'm roasting my socks like marshmallows. They did not taste that great, but they got warm. So that was our night. It was miserable and hard. Um, the next morning we woke up and you know, we all just kind of had to have a, a come to Jesus moment. Um, I noticed that a lot of us had not the best attitude towards suffering that day. We were, we were expecting this beautiful trip with like this great weather and, and it to be fun and easy, and that's not what happened. Our expectations were crushed, uh, and it was much more difficult than we had anticipated. And so we got to talking about, okay, what, how should we view this? How should we view the hard times that we're going through? And it turned out that as we kept talking about it, um, the, the team kind of grabbed on to this motto that I said, and it, take it or leave it, the motto is embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. So like life can oftentimes suck the joy out of you like a vacuum. Like it, it feels like you can't even breathe because of how hard it is. And so what, what that, that motto, that saying is, is trying to communicate is, you know, you're gonna go through hard times either way. Either way, it's gonna be tough. It's up to you how you respond to it. And so em, embrace the suck means to, okay, look at the hard time in the face and say, yeah, this is hard, but okay, I'm gonna give you a hug. Let's do this. It's, it's being okay with the hardship because you know that the hardship is producing something good on the other end. And so today we're gonna to talk about what, what are those good things that, that suffering produces? What are those good things that, that hardship uh, is, is doing inside of us? So the first thing that we see in the Bible is that suffering makes us more dependent on God. Suffering makes us depend on God more. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 28, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole day and night adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced dangers from rivers and robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in cities, in the deserts, in the seas. And I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty and gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for the churches. Who is weak without me feeling that weakness? Who's led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. This is a man who has suffered greatly in his life. Like he, he not only was whipped, but he was whipped, what, five different times. Times 39 last, he's, he's been whipped 200 times in his life. He's been beaten with a rod, like a, a wooden hard rod three times. He's been shipwrecked. Thought he was gonna drown out at sea. He's, 
He's been hungry. He's been starving. Have you guys ever, ever gone to sleep and you've just been so cold that you couldn't fall asleep? Like shivering and, and in your misery, you're just wanting some warmth. That, that was Paul a lot. He couldn't go to sleep because he was hungry and tired and, and cold. Like this guy went through so much pain, so much heartache. It goes on to say after he talks about all these hard things he's gone through, that, that God gave him a special revelation, gave him special knowledge. And so Paul was tempted to become proud in that knowledge, in that gift that God had given him. Paul was tempted to say, okay, I'm the man. Everybody, come see how good I look. I am the man. And so Paul says, to keep me from becoming proud, this is verse seven, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need, for my power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. If Paul had this like cushy, easy life where he lived in the palace and he had a thousand servants at his side and he had everything that he needed and everything he wanted and this revelation from God, oh, Paul would have been the most conceited man in the world thinking that, that he was king of the earth, that he could do no wrong. But because God loved him, because God loved him enough to keep him from being prideful, God gave him a lot of hardship. God wanted him to depend on, on the Lord and not on himself. And so I love that, that Paul doesn't complain about these hard things. Paul doesn't uh, you know, say, I was whipped again, why me? Why me? Like I've already been through this, I don't need this again. I was beat with a rod again. I was shipwrecked again. Lord, do you not love me? Like, what's going on here? No, Paul, conversely, is rejoicing in these things. He is, he's praising God that he has an opportunity to go through these hard times. That is just completely countercultural. If I get stuck in traffic, or if I stub my toe, or if I have somebody be rude to me, or if, if you know, I get sick, or somebody I love gets hurt, like, I am the first one to complain, and I'm the first one to be mad and think, Lord, what, like, what's the deal? What's the deal? Why me again? What's, what's going on here? That's not Paul. Paul's saying, no, I, I thank God for these hard times because they are driving me to the foot of the cross. Without pain, without hardship, we would be so dependent on ourselves. But God reminds us through the hard times that we need him and him alone. So let me ask you, what hardship are you going through right now? What, what pain is going on in your life? God today is saying that we need to thank him for those things. 
We need to thank him for those things because they are driving us to him. It doesn't mean that those, those pains and those hardships uh, should not hurt, should not be, be sorrowful. You know, the Bible says that we as Christians should be sorrowful yet rejoicing. And so mourn the pain and, and have sorrow, but at the same time have joy because we have Christ. We have hope in him. We know that he is taking care of us, that he's doing something good through it inside of us. When we respond to pain that way, when we respond to, to suffering by saying, thank you, Lord, for this hard time because I know that you're developing dependence on you. When we do that, God gets the glory and we get the strength because we humble ourselves at his feet. He then will fill us with the strength that we need. But if, on the other hand, we, we respond to hard times by saying, I'm just going to muster up the strength and I'm going to do it alone because I'm an American. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm just going to crush it. And God says, okay, good luck. And he lets us reap the consequences of our own pride. But if we will humble ourselves and thank him and look to him for our strength, he will then strengthen us and do infinitely more than we could ever do. So suffering makes us dependent on the Lord. What else does suffering do? Suffering well, suffering well grows us in strength of character. So there's a difference between just suffering and suffering well. Suffering well is, is like Paul here, where he is keeping his eyes on the Lord and, and saying, God, you're my hope. Yes, this hurts and this, this is hard, but I look to you for my hope and my joy. That is what suffering well is, and it grows us in strength of character. Listen to Romans 5, 3 through 5. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. This verse blows me away because it doesn't say here at the beginning, and we can endure when we run into problems and trials. Or like if I was writing this, I'd be like, you know, we can, we can put up with problems and trials, I guess. We can, we can make it work. Okay, we'll make it work. No, that, that's not what it says. It says we can rejoice in problems and trials. So in, in the hard times, in the times that, that test us the most, we should be like jumping for joy because of what the Lord is doing inside of us. He is strengthening our character. You know, the real world will tell us that, that this is silly. They would say, listen, Paul, don't you know that, that we, we rejoice in our birthday? Like, that's something worth rejoicing over. We rejoice when we get an A on a test, we rejoice when our team wins. We rejoice when uh, somebody likes our photo on Instagram. Like those are worth rejoicing over, right? Uh, that's not what Paul is saying here. The Lord is saying, no, rejoice when things go wrong. Rejoice when you're, you're caught in traffic and you're late to, to school. Rejoice when your car breaks down. 
Rejoice whenever a teacher or a coach unfairly accuses you of something. Rejoice when you get sick. That's what the Bible is saying here because it's, it's saying that we should be joyful that God is giving us an opportunity to grow in our character, to become more like him, to become uh, better able to handle what he has for us in the future. I saw the same thing happen on the trail in Colorado. It was, it was very tempting for us that first day, uh, or the second, the first hard day, to um, complain, to be bitter, to be a little mad. Like I was like walking up this mountain, like, Lord, what's the deal here? Like we, we came all the way to Colorado to have this amazing time, and you give us this kind of weather? Like what's up with that? I was tempted to that. I know several people were. But once we decided to embrace the suck and see this, not as God's like, like oh, God didn't notice that we're getting rained on. Of course he noticed. No, we, we then saw it as God's gracious, gracious gift towards us that the Lord was wanting to strengthen our character and strengthen our, our faith through this hard time. And I saw a drastic change in the mentality of the team. They became more joyful, they became more hopeful, they became more encouraging, they became better leaders, all because they decided that they were going to rejoice in their suffering. And the same thing can happen for you. If you will, instead of being bitter, instead of choosing uh, anger towards the Lord at your suffering, if you will instead choose to respond like this by rejoicing in God's grace that he would give you hard times because he's strengthening you, you will then be able to respond to these situations with joy, with peace, with encouragement. But it all depends on our response. You know, Tim Keller, he's a uh, pastor, author, speaker. He has a book that's called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. And he has a quote in there that says, look, Jesus lost all of his glory so that we could be clothed in it. He was shut out so that we could get access. He was bound and nailed so that we could be free. He was cast out so that we could come close. And Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that can really destroy you. And that is being cast away from God. He took it all so that now all suffering that comes into your life will only make you great. A lump of coal under pressure becomes a diamond. And the suffering of a person in Christ only turns you into somebody gorgeous. So we have a picture of a, a bunch of coal and a diamond here. The diamond did not become a diamond by, by sitting like at the, the earth's core in a, in a lazy boy couch with people like having air conditioning on it, making sure it's well fed and well taken care of and comfortable. The diamond did not become the diamond like that. No, the, the coal became the diamond because of millions of pounds of pressure on it constantly because of, of the hottest lava you can imagine on it 
constantly because of friction, rubbing it back and forth. And all of that pressure and all of that heat and all of that friction caused that nasty piece of coal to become a beautiful rock that could then be shaped into a diamond. It was because of the hard times, it was because of the, the suffering that the coal went through that it could be a diamond. And God is doing the same thing through suffering in us. He is making us more into his image, more into the, the beautiful diamond that he's calling us to be. So we see that suffering uh, develops dependence on the Lord. We see that suffering grows us in our strength of character. Lastly, I think most importantly, suffering well makes Christ look wonderful to those around you. Suffering well glorifies Christ. Philippians 1.21 says, For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So this is Paul writing this again, the one who's suffered greatly. And he's writing this letter in prison. He's in this like dark, damp, nasty prison awaiting possible execution. And he's, he's writing for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He is, he's saying that, look, for me, living means living for Christ, living to know Jesus, living to love Jesus, living to be loved by Jesus, living to honor him and to, to follow him. That is real life. And he says, if I get tortured and beaten and then murdered, I count it gain. That's gain because I get Christ. The world would look at, at Paul and be like, Paul, you're stupid. That's ridiculous. You lost everything. You're losing everything here. Paul says, no, I'm, I'm gaining everything because I'm gaining Jesus. I'm gaining the infinite God of the universe who has infinite joy, infinite peace, infinite love, infinite grace, infinite fulfillment and purpose and happiness. That's what he's gaining. Paul looks at the pain and says, look, I don't care what my circumstances are. I don't care what happens. If I have Christ, I have everything. It reminds me of, of this book that was written a few years ago uh, by a relative of Billy Graham. And the title of the book just rocked my world. And the title is, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That goes in line right with what Paul is saying here, to live as Christ, to die as gain. If I have Christ, I have everything. I don't need anything else. So, so how does suffering well make Christ look beautiful, make him look wonderful to those around us? How does it glorify the Lord to those around us? Well, when you can go through horrendous suffering and pain, when you lose a loved one, when you, when you get cancer, when you lose a job, when, when your family falls apart, when all this pain is going on around you and you can still say with confidence that Jesus is your hope and your everything, you can still have joy in the midst of the incredibly painful hard times. The world looks at that and says, 
I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to have that. Because the world, the world knows really well. They're really good at having joy in the midst of cushy circumstances. They're great at having happiness in the, in the midst of, of really easy situations. They are very poor at having joy in the midst of hard circumstances. They don't know how to have it because they don't have Christ. And so whenever you can go through these incredibly hard times and still keep your eyes on Jesus, still have joy in Christ, they look at that and say, I, I gotta have that. Nothing I'm doing right now is giving me that and I need that. Because I've tried all these other things, but I, I still don't have that peace and that joy that you have. And look at your circumstances. You should be bitter and angry and depressed, but you have joy? That doesn't make any sense. That is something that the world has no idea how to have. And so when we show them that Christ is our greatest treasure, our everything, it makes him look wonderful to them. It reminds me of Matthew 13. So Jesus is telling this parable uh, and he says that a man goes into this field and he finds a treasure hidden in the field. And so like the man's walking along in the field and he stumbles on a rock and under the rock he sees like this hole and there is like the national treasure, just mounds of gold hidden under this, this field. And so he covers it back up. He goes home and he sells everything that he has, everything he owns, so that he can then buy the field so that then the treasure is his. He doesn't have enough to buy the treasure. He's going to buy the field and then he gets the treasure. It's pretty smart. That is, that is what, um, what we are like with Christ. That's what we should be like with Christ. The man doesn't consider everything that he sold. He lost everything. He sold everything. But he doesn't look at it as a loss because of how much he gained. He gained everything. Infinity, everything. And that's the same way that we should be. We should be able to give away everything we have and look to Christ and say, gain. If I am and beaten, and if I lose all my money, and if I lose my house, and I lose my security, and if I lose my friends, and I lose my job, and I lose everything I have, my health, and then I'm, I'm killed, that is gain if you have Christ, because you get everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. And the world has no idea how to handle that. It makes Jesus look like the treasure that he is when we respond to hard times with that kind of hope, that kind of joy, that kind of peace. Suffering is so meaningful. It has a purpose. And God is in it. He sees you. He's working through it. He's drawing you close to himself through it and in it. It's up to us to humble ourselves and look to him as our strength instead of complaining about it. As we close today, I want to share just a personal story of uh, our, 
my wife and I's pain and suffering and hope in the midst of that. So six years ago, we, uh, we got married. This, this is, I don't know who that guy is. He's a little baby. It's like a four-year-old. Um, so that's babyface Kalen. We got married six years ago, and we decided early on that we wanted to have kids. And so we tried for about two years and found out after about two years that we were pregnant. So we were overjoyed, super excited. We started picking out baby names and thinking through, okay, life dreams. Okay, is he going to be a star football player or like an actor? No, that's a terrible idea. Uh, And so we started having all these hopes and dreams for this child of ours. And then a few weeks later, my wife started having some complications and she ended up having a miscarriage. And it was like all of these hopes and dreams that were moving forward just came to a screeching halt. It was especially hard on her. And she taught me so much through just me watching her in the midst of this pain and suffering and how she did like Paul does here, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so I want to share with you a journal entry that she wrote about eight months after the miscarriage. It says, March 1st, 2013. Months have passed. They've come and gone. Eight months of disappointment, eight months of heartache, and dreams of having a baby yet no child conceived. This month begins the month that our precious baby was supposed to be born. It's surreal. The pain, the sting, the dashed hopes. But God is greater still, for no pit is so deep that Jesus is not deeper still. With each month that passes with no child, I hurt deeply. But God sends an encouraging messenger my way. He is gracious. Lord, you are gracious You comfort me. You are kind. Thank you for seeing me through the dirt, the muck of my complaining, wearied, and impatient heart. You see through me and look straight at Jesus and his life in me. Lord, you give and you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. She taught me so much what it practically means to suffer well through that time just by watching her. She suffered. She went through pain. She went through sorrow. But she did it with her eyes fixed on Jesus in his word, looking for the truth of his word, praying to him daily. And that is what it means to suffer well. You know, a few years later, God fulfilled that desire uh, in her to be a mother. Um, But I know that, that even if if he hadn't, that she'd still be able to say, you know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so we went through that, that hard time. We went through more hard times with our uh, fostering and adoption and all that process. Um, and then the Lord and his grace caused us to get pregnant again. And we just found out like a month ago that we're pregnant. And so that is God's grace towards us. But even if he never had, even if nothing had ever happened, even if we continued 
to, to not have that desire fulfilled, we could still suffer well, not because we're strong, but because of Christ and because of who he is, because of fixing our eyes on him and him alone and his grace inside of us. And so as you go through hard times, as you, as you suffer in this life, if you're not doing it with Christ, if you're not doing it in him, you're gonna be miserable. And I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to suffer with hope. He wants you to suffer with peace. So as we move into a time of response, go ahead and take out uh, pen and paper that's underneath your your chairs. And I know you guys all have hard things that you're going through right now. And so just write out to the Lord. Write out whatever, whatever hard, hard trial you're going through. So just put it on paper and then, and then make it your prayer to the Lord. Say, God, I, I thank you for this, this hard thing that you're doing because you're growing me. You're teaching me. You're strengthening me. You're glorifying yourself. And then you have to recognize that if you're just trying to muster up the strength to suffer well, that it's not going to go well for you. And so you have to call on your heavenly father to enable you, to empower you to walk through this hard time by his grace, by his power. And so ask him for strength. Ask him for help. God, I need you. I can't do this alone. Would you strengthen me? Would you help me to walk through this in a God-honoring way? So as we continue to respond, we have our communion, we have tithes, offerings. We have our worship. Um, as we're singing, we're not just singing songs to sing songs. These songs are our prayers to our Heavenly Father. He hears us. He, he knows us. He's the one that, that sees all of the hurt, all of the pain, all of the sorrow that you're going through, that you've gone through. His heart hurts for you. He, he loves you. He has compassion on you. That's the God that we're singing to now. And so don't just sing the words to sing the song. Worship the infinite God of the universe here this morning. Lord Jesus, we come before you now and we thank you for the gift of your word. Would you help us to believe it Help us to believe that you're working in our trials, that you're working in our suffering for, for our good and for your glory. Lord God, would you strengthen us? Give us the grace to walk through these hard times well. Help us to honor you and to walk in your ways. Holy Spirit, we need you. We can't do this alone. So by your grace, by your mercy, would you draw us near to yourself? Would you help us to fix our eyes on you? Would you help us to spend daily time in your word getting to know you, getting to know your truth? 
Help us to become a people of prayer that, that talk to you daily about our hurts, our struggles, our fears. Ask for your help in every way. Help us to be people that, that do life together, that allow our brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us, to lift us up, and help us to be that for other people. God, we worship you now. We ask for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen.